Good morning. Glad to see you all here on this wet Sunday morning. Uh, hopefully we will not have to uh, find the boats to get out of here. Um, and if I can see today, we'll be doing good. Uh, well, I'm glad that everybody has come this morning and gathered uh, as we could underneath the arbor. Uh, for those who usually sit out there, I'm glad to see you underneath uh, today. It's good to see your faces a little bit closer, even though I can't see through my glasses right now. Um, so I am just so thankful that y'all are here this morning. Uh, so, announcements. Uh, I had said there was going to be a trustees meeting this week, uh, and it's actually going to be next week. Uh, because we had some, uh, Michael had some other things that were going to, going to happen today. So next week at 2 o'clock, we're going to have a trustees meeting. Uh, we will continue to meet here at 10 o'clock uh, for now. So we'll uh, just continue to remember that. Uh, and we have some wonderful flowers up here uh, today. Uh, those were given by the Catherine Wright family uh, in remembrance of her. Do we have any other announcements this morning? All right, awesome. Well, let us uh, begin our time with prayer, so let us pray. Beloved God, we gather in the shelter of your love, grateful for the banquet of worship you have prepared for us. Focus our hearts and our minds on the beauty of this time, the blessings of our lives, and the fullness of your message. Strengthen our call to fulfill our roles as your partners in ministry to the world. Amen. Our song of preparation this morning is Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling.
Thank you. So now we take uh, some time to remember those uh, that we are lifting up in prayer, the joys and concerns that we have. Um, I will have the latest prayer list out this afternoon uh, with the updates that we add today. Uh, but we all have seen the prayer in Caroline uh, messages, so we need to continue to pray for uh, each of them and uh, the families that have lost loved ones in the past couple of weeks. We need to also remember them. So are there any others to add this morning to that list? Say that again. Kenya Simmons. Okay, Kate. Oh my goodness. Mm, mm, mm. Others. Well, seeing no others or hearing no others, uh, this morning our uh, prayers of the people comes from Tom Gordon, uh, and this was posted on the Church of Scotland's Starters for Sunday website. So let us pray together. In a world where many would seek to damage your creation, bring hatred to your people, show violence to your children, help us always to be grateful for the gifts of love and life, for the glimpses of transforming beauty and unending wonder. Teach us now and use us well to combat evil and destruction wherever we find it. In a world driven by greed and a lust for power, where the material threatens to overwhelm the spiritual, where goodness seems to frail in the face of badness, help us not to give up on righteousness and truth, to believe that you can use well the gifts we offer, that you will call forth the gifts of your people again and again. In a world where people are broken at the hands of humanity and by the vagrancies of nature, help us to trust the healing of your blessing and love. Placed even now in the hands of those who seek to face down injustice and champion human rights. Who stand in the dark places with your light held high. Who give of themselves for the sake of others. In a world where we struggle to understand pain and suffering. And most especially in the lives of those we love. We bring before you those whom we weep for whom we weep, those we embrace in our hearts, those to whom we reach out in the yearnings of our prayers. In a world where we can feel so insignificant and helpless, help us to know you have a place for us. Lift our spirits when we don't feel good enough. Fit us into your plan in amazing ways. In a world where so much is focused on the here and now. Help us to remain bound with those who have gone before us, to rejoice in our fellowship in the kingdom of your love, to give thanks that from time to time we have a glimpse of eternity. 
We offer these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our service this morning, again, I say thank you to all those who have continued to support Lovejoy during this time. And we continue to ask that you continue to support us in any way you can. So let me offer a prayer for our offerings and tithes that we have received. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for your abundant love and your nourishing grace. Thank you for the gifts we return to you now. Bless these gifts that they may become for others the signs of your abundant love and vessels of your nourishing grace. Amen. As we listen to the rain pitter-patter on the tin roof, as a reminder of God's wonderful creation, let's hear the words of Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Jesus responded by speaking again in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding party for his son. He sent his servants to call those invited to the wedding party, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent other servants and said to them, Tell those who have been invited, Look, the meal is all prepared. I've butchered the oxen and the fatted calf. Now everything's ready. Come to the wedding party. But they paid no attention and went away. Some to their fields, others to their businesses. The rest of them grabbed his servants, abused them, and killed them. The king was angry. He sent his soldiers to destroy the murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his servants, The wedding party is prepared, but those who were invited weren't worthy. Therefore, go to the roads on the edge of town and invite everyone you find to the wedding party. Then those servants went to the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding party was full of guests. Now when the king came in and saw the guest, he spotted a man who wasn't wearing wedding clothes. He said to him, Friend, how do you get in here without wedding clothes? But he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Tie his hands and feet and throw them out into the farthest darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Many people are invited, but few people are chosen. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as we enjoy the beautiful rain and the birds and the pitter-patter on the roof, speak to us. May the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we continue this morning from three weeks ago. Jesus is still answering the question of the chief priest and the elders of whose authority he has to perform the things that he does. And we have this parable, a parable about a wedding party, about a king who invites his subjects 
of which do not come. A king who invites everyone else, and they come in and eat. But there's one still that is not dressed appropriately, and he throws that one out. But this is not a pretty parable to think about. And we don't need to make it pretty. It's ugly. And the context is important to understanding and the reading of this parable. Warren Carter says, This third parable rehearses the elite's rejection and outlines their judgment. The repetition underlines the gravity of the elite's response, accounts for the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. as an act of God's judgment carried out unwittingly by Rome, confirms the ongoing place of both Israel and disciples within salvation history, and impresses on the audience as the new tenants charged with mission to Israel the need for fruitfulness and faithfulness in carrying out their mission, especially among the poor. When we examine this parable and compare it to others that Jesus has told, there are some assumptions that can be made. It could be assumed that the king is equal to God, the son is equal to Jesus, the initial guests are equal to the religious elite, the first group of servants sent out are equal to the Hebrew prophets, and the second group are equal to Christian missionaries. But when we look at the king's treatment of the people, there should be some things that stand out that seem off if this king is supposed to be God in this parable. We see where the king murders and destroys cities. Now, this is not something we knew, that's new that we've heard from God. God did this in the Old Testament. We have stories of violence and destruction associated with God. However, equating the king in the parable with God and theologizing away such texts runs the risk of providing theological justification for violence some rulers carry out against their own subjects. Raj Nadella says, such an approach is especially problematic when rulers use religious institutions and symbols such as the Bible to justify their violence and oppression of those under their jurisdiction. In a culture and political context where physical violence towards the other, immigrants, racial minorities, women, and others, has increasingly become commonplace. It is especially important that our interpretations of Scripture do not inadvertently suggest violence as a manifestation of the divine. My favorite place I listen to and go to pulpit fiction says this about the parable. This parable is not to be understood historically or literally in any sense. 
The killing of the servants and the king's destruction of the initial guest is both hyperbolic and symbolic of the abuse of the prophets at the hands of the faithful and the destruction of Jerusalem. In this story, the king, who we may see as God, acts as a Roman imperial tyrant. Now, this is not meant to be a descriptive of who God is, but it is to be a reflection of how earthly kings act. And Matthew, the author of Matthew, is writing out of a particular context, which includes the destruction of the temple and the persecution of the followers of the way, which is those who follow Jesus. So what is this parable telling us? Well, I believe it is about salvation. And that believers should not presume salvation. Because after all, salvation is a gift from God. And salvation is not a destination. It is a dedication to God's ministry of love and grace. Showing up is a good start. But it is not enough. The last part of the parable about inappropriate clothing tells us something about this salvation. Douglas Hare says, Why should the king be so incredibly harsh to a poor man who has hastily been brought from the outside, outside the city who presumably had no opportunity to borrow a clean tunic fit for the occasion? The answer to all such questions, of course, is that this is not an ordinary story, but an allegory. The wedding feast is not the church, but the age to come. The required garment is righteousness, that is, behavior, which is to put on Christ in accordance with Jesus' teaching. The man is speechless because he has no defense. He accepted the invitation of the gospel but he refused to conform his life to the gospel. All three of these parables that we have heard are warning to listen to God, to do the work of God, that is, loving God and loving neighbor. To not do work, that work is to refuse the kingdom of God. To give false lip service to this ministry is to show up in the wrong clothes. So how do we show up ready to serve? So, maybe we need to keep in mind we are not Matthew's community. That is, we are not the minority tradition with little cultural power trying to make sense of our rejection and alienation. Rather, we are disciples of Jesus who hear, even in this parable, the good news that God invites all, the good and the bad. Because God is a God of expansive love and radical inclusiveness. And we are disciples who see especially in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, not only 
just how far God will go to make this invitation of grace, but also, and that God's words of love and forgiveness are more powerful than any words of punishment, hate, or fear. And because we have seen and heard and experienced firsthand God's love, we do not have to call down God's judgment, but can trust that, God, that the God we know in Jesus to care for those who do not respond to God's invitation just as graciously as God has cared for us. How are we dressed? And all are invited. The good and the bad, the saint and the sinner are invited to the feast. But do we invite all? Or do we just invite some? Do we think God is just ours? Or that God is big enough for everyone? All are invited. We must wear the clothes of righteousness. So how far... How far do we go out? How far do we go out of the way to invite all to the wedding banquet that God has prepared? The table is ready. All we have to do is come and enjoy. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The song for our hymn of invitation is called The Table, and it is sung by Chris Tomlin and his band. So hear now the message that comes in song. The feast is prepared. But now we go and invite others to experience God the way we have. So receive this benediction, and as we depart, we will again hear God be with you from Selah. So receive this benediction. As partners with God, go to serve God's world. As friends of Christ, go to share Christ's love. Go with the blessing of God, the strength of Jesus the Christ, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And may the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house. Amen. <laughs>